Hey everybody, so before we jump into today's podcast, I just wanted to A, thank you guys, give you a little bit of a reminder. If you enjoy this content, however you're watching it, consuming it, please like, follow, subscribe, whatever you gotta do, comment on it. If you can, leave us a review. It really helps us out and it can help grow our platform and reach more people. And if you know someone that can benefit from this, please share it with them. If you have a question, if you wanna reach out to us, let us know. And then lastly, we have all of our amazing programs, courses, and coaching available in the resources below. So check that out. Definitely take advantage of it. We have everything from free options all the way up to paid programs and everything in between to fit pretty much anyone's budget. And it's just a matter of how customized it's going to be based on the price point. So there's really something for everybody. Thank you guys. Let's get on into the episode. Yeah, fighters. What's up, everybody? It's Mike here. Episode 150 coming at you. Getting close to that 200 mark. We're going to have to do something special for that. And I wanted to do something. Maybe this is not really a special, but just something kind of as a milestone. We hit 150. So something that's been kind of um, brought up a few times over is a Patreon page. Um, Apparently, all really like what we do here, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate all the support and all those fun things. And we've had a lot of uh, the listeners support us by uh, purchasing different things on our shop at lifeofafighter.com forward slash shop, or go to lofclothing.com and get in clothes. Um... Or sign up for our fitness nutrition vault, or our pro coach program, or personal training, or whatever have you, and even um, you know pledge to our stash account and, and help you know just kind of show some love for us on there. Um, because again, we do this podcast. I do this podcast um, for free to create content for y'all, and hopefully um, it gives you some kind of education, some inspiration, some improvement into your lives. Uh, but one of the pieces to the puzzle on that was a Patreon page. You can check the link below. Um, we now have a Patreon page set up, patreon.com forward slash life of a fighter. Um, you can pledge individual uh, amounts if you want to just kind of uh, pledge for, let's say, an episode or something that we did that you really enjoyed. Or if you want to sign up, we have our Fitness Nutrition Vault access up on there. For $5 a month now, you can go through Patreon instead of just going through our uh, Life of a Fighter shop. I uh, just figured it's another option. And as the Patreon page grows and, and as we kind of start to see a little bit more of a following on there, I think I'm going to start to kind of transition a lot of the stuff we have in our shop to also be on the Patreon page as well, whether it's our Pro Coach program um, for a monthly rate or a premium package for a monthly rate or maybe some personal training packages for a monthly rate or consulting or We'll figure out some fun stuff, but I just kind of wanted to get it up there, announce that it's up, and just thank you all for the support. It's 150 episodes deep. We've broken 17,500 listeners. It's a huge milestone, to me at least, um, for where we've been at, and it's been awesome just continuously putting out content. I appreciate you all. So without further ado and going into all that fun stuff, we're going to jump into today's topic. And today's topic is an expansion on some of the things we've covered in the past, um, specifically looking at gut health food intake, digestion, absorption, and the digestive system. So there's a lot to this, honestly. So I didn't want to get too much into the nitty-gritty and the mechanisms behind what is entailed in the digestive system. I wanted to kind of cover it starting at the mouth, going to um, our stomach, going through the intestines, and then actually excretion, but not spending too much time on any individual area, just kind of giving you a good um, coverage of what's kind of happening here. And it starts beyond just our gut. It starts way sooner than that, even in our brain. But the process starts at our mouth, works our way down our esophagus. It then's going to, then's gonna, it is then going to lead to our stomach where most of the acidity is breaking down bigger chunks of our food and talking about acidity and what's happening there. So what's interesting is that we have this acidity in our stomach 
acidity, I should say, in our stomach. And there's the thing about pH and how we want to like regulate our, our system and whatnot. But what's interesting about our body is it's really good at getting back to homeostasis. So we're even detoxification diets and things like that. And these are marketing terms we've at least used just to grab people's attention. But realistically, what's happening is our body, our organs, and our entire system wants to maintain homeostasis. It does a really good job of doing that meaning the liver functions and processing, the gallbladder, our intestines, our stomach, our pancreas, all the organs around it. And instead of thinking, um, you know, we need to take special things, products, supplements, or foods to do that, just they're actually just really empowering to the organs themselves. They're providing the nutrients or the um, chemicals or the signals, the neurotransmitters, the hormones, or all the above to allow all these organs and processes to take place. So it's less about a magic fix and more about the body just doing what it naturally wants to do, just us empowering it and fueling it a little bit more. So Anyways, I digress and I go back to it. So first it starts with chewing. This is something that I know is ironic that we have to cover, but I cover it because even I've had my own issues with this, I don't chew my food. And it's something I have to make a conscious effort of to actually take more than two, three bites and then swallow because um, for a brief amount of time, I'll share with you all like in too graphic, um, I was having some real intestinal or digestion issues, stomach pains, um, just a lot of problems there. And I went to the doctor and as simple as it sounds, and even I should know better than this, you know, he's like, honestly, I think it's less of looking at biomarkers and, and hormones and, and nutrients and what's going on there in leaky gut. I just think you're not chewing your food enough, especially based on what you're telling me um, from when you're going to the bathroom. You know, at one point I was going to the bathroom and, you know, there's blood or there's just whole pieces of food. And sometimes that could just be from high fibrous diets, but also just from a lack of actual uh, mastication or the actual grinding and chewing and crushing of the food. I wasn't digesting my food enough in the first stage, the chewing portion. So by the time it got to my stomach, even though the acids are in there to break it down, it was too much to break down. So it wasn't getting the opportunity to A, pull the nutrients, but B, also do its digestive duty. And then by the time it gets through my intestines and all that, it's actually not properly digested to a point where it's going to do some damage or actually just cause more strain and so on and so forth. So I actually noticed, hey, if I chew my food 10 to 20 times versus two to three times, all my pain just kind of not magically went away, but significantly reduced. And then the last piece was um, looking at sugar timing and ingestion um, and making some modifications there to also help with gut health and bacteria that's going on back there. But it's just, again, starting at the mouth, chew your food more. And the recommendation, even when I was younger, was like chew your food 10 to 20 times. As long as you're chewing your food to a point where it's not whole chunks, I think that's the bigger takeaway. But what's interesting about that, even from a caloric standpoint, is it costs calories to chew your food. So the more you spend chewing your food and going through that digestion process, the total um, energy expenditure increases and the, the total energy that you get from the food itself is actually slightly lowered, which may seem counterintuitive, but if you have more calories burned than calories coming in, you're going to lose weight. So those that are more conscious of losing weight, if you can chew your food and spend some energy just on the digestive portion of it and actually get it to be broken down and absorb more of the nutrients, you may not have as many cravings, but you also may be absorbing less calories because you're burning more just having to digest it and all that fun stuff. So that's one phase and portion of it. And then what's interesting is I'm actually kind of going through one of my textbooks um, covering this topic and, and thanks to Precision Nutrition being a Precision Nutrition certified level one coach, um, I have some notes and things I've taken and just kind of going through it. I'm obviously not going to pull word for word and all that and, and kind of plagiarize here, but just A as a reference point, I'm getting a lot of this from our Precision Nutrition textbook by Dr. John Berardi and Ryan Andrews. Um, who Dr. John Berardi is a PhD and Ryan Andrews is a uh, RD and master's. 
um, in dietetics and also I think it's exercise science. So good sources here. And again, they break down, again, digestive mechanisms, secretions, and enzymes on the next kind of stage. And the idea behind this is there's different mechanisms that are going to happen. Like we kind of talked about the mouth, then going into the esophagus, then going through our stomach where the acid's going to hit, then going through our intestines, and then also looking at um, the liver and gallbladder and pancreas producing or secreting different enzymes or hormones and, and conducting their different neurotransmitter signals. And all of these different aspects can create breakdowns in the chain. If we think of this as one chain, right, the digestive chain, any little breakdown in that chain can have an impact throughout the entire system. So looking at all these, I, I want to stress this because there's a lot of different points where the chain can have a breakdown. So for me, it was starting literally right at the first stage, chewing. Um, but you can kind of look at, without even doing too much medical intervention, looking at, all right, are all the chains properly synced up and secured? And then start to look at, okay, what adaptations can I make? And it's not as simple as, okay, sometimes even just taking hormones or introducing new things. Because if we introduce one hormone, there could be a byproduct effect or um, neurotransmitter impact or another hormonal response that it will create. So all these different things come into play. And then there's things to consider, whether it's um, the different enzymes or the different secretions that are taking place to actually digest different sugars or foods or alcohols or um, even fats. Those are all things that we have to consider. And what I'm thinking about is actually just um, putting some more information in the written portion of this. So if you click on our link, if you listen to the podcast, it'll take you over to the blog and it'll have a little bit more for infographics and some notes and some full bullet points and breakdowns. Um, but yeah, so from that standpoint, we get it to the esophagus, we get it down to the stomach. That's where Stomach is broken down into three parts, the fundus, the body, and the antrum. The fundus is the first part where everything is transitioning from the esophagus. The body is the central part where most of it's taking place, and the antrum is the lower part where it's transitioning to our intestines and, and going to start the next phase of the digestional process. Okay, And again, we're talking about acid here, high, uh, hydrochloric acid, specifically the acid that we find in our stomach that's going to break down the food. I'm talking about pH there, and yes, that's a higher acidic pH. So again, going back to that point is we don't just have one pH level throughout our entire body. So when people say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm very acidic right now, I'm very um, alkaline, and there's there's actual something to that, and that's a whole other topic of conversation, but it's not as simple as like, okay, one part of your body is going to be a representation of every aspect. Our stomach, for example, we want to be acidic. We don't want it to be alkaline because if it's alkaline, it can't do its job. Um, maybe when we're talking about blood or we're talking about other parts of our body, we may want it to be more alkaline depending on obviously what the duties and tasks are for that environment. But I just thought that was something to kind of throw out there. Don't think that pH, when you check your pH, that's just a total representation of every aspect of your body. It's just one portion of it that we're looking at. So then again, it goes from the stomach to our intestines where more um, – Digestion and really absorption is happening here. So once we get past the stomach, it's more about um, the absorption that's going to be taking place and less of the actual continuous breakdown. There is still a breakdown that's happening. And then again, certain enzymes are, are being produced from the pancreas or from our other organs, specifically based on what we've eaten. So a few examples are proteasis, lipases, and I'm horrible with names and pronunciation, but you guys know what I'm talking about. If not, it doesn't really matter. And hemolysis. Um, and basically what they're doing is proteases are going to liberate peptides and amino acids from proteins. So we have our protein breakdown. Uh, lipases is going to be our fatty acid breakdown. So we're breaking them down to make it more utilized um, for our energy systems. And then 
amylysis is liberating maltose from starch. So again, these different systems and different enzymes that are going to be breaking down the foods that we're eating and then being able to utilize them for energy or for structural repair or for any combination of those things depending on what we just did. Are we training? Are we in a, a hypertrophic state, an anaerobic state, a aerobic state? What, what's going on with our body? We're highly stressed, high cortisol levels. All that fun stuff. So then it transitions. Again, the pancreas, the gallbladder, the liver, it does its job. It secretes it. It has enzymes firing. It's going to help with the digestion process. And then from there, again, we have to understand that it's not just one system. Now we have multiple systems playing in. So our endocrine system is uh, when we're looking at hormones as well. And then we have some different hormones and um Again, going back to the enzymes, but even the hormones coming in and different things being secreted. And there's quite a few here, so I'm not going to go through each of them, but understanding that each one of these have to have a certain balance to it. You can't just have, for example, let's take uh, ghrelin or liptin, for example, these satiating um, hormones. We can produce this and produce ghrelin or or, um, leptin and... If you produce more and more and more of it, your body starts to build up a resistance to it, just like insulin, insulin insulin insensitivity or sensitivity. So if we're sensitive to insulin, our body doesn't need to produce as much when we eat carbohydrates. That's a good thing. If we're insensitive to uh, insulin, that's where we start to have the diabetic issue or potential diabetic issue or pre-diabetic of producing more and more and more and more and our body doesn't have the same response. The same idea can happen with other hormones in our body like ghrelin and leptin. So if we're getting that satiating hormone constantly put out because we're eating so much food and our body's trying to say, hey, all right, we're good, you will become immune or um, insensitive to that as well. So it takes more and more of the same hormone or transmitters to fire for you to feel satiated. So if you're constantly feeling hungry, it may be, yes, you may have an actual imbalance there. Your body may not be producing it or you may be actually insensitive to it so your body's producing more and more and you're just not feeling full because you've constantly put yourself in a state of eating and you're no longer full period so that's where sometimes just shaving it back or edging it also medical obviously all of this is prefaced with the idea i'm not a doctor you should obviously consult with a medical professional in person this is just to give some consulting and advice and all those things um but not to substitute medical supervision and advice um so then again we go into more um neurotransmitters um, and and different functions that are going on. But again, there's a lot going on here, guys, that you have to understand. It's not just a simple process and there's a lot of factors that come into play. So doing your due diligence and figuring out, okay, am I chewing my food? Am I making sure that my um, stomach has the right – I mean, honestly, you can't just check your stomach acid as easily. It's like, all right, is it right? But also knowing, all right, am I putting the right balance of foods in my body? Am I chewing my food properly? Am I um, giving my body the right right back, right back, right back from a body point to do its job? Am I allowing it enough time in between meals? What What is um, – when I'm going to the bathroom, what's that like? Being aware of all these different things. What color is your urine? Um, checking your pH levels can do a certain benefit. Checking really more your biomarkers with your doctor. That can be way more beneficial and be an indicator of something else that could be up. And then going kind of back to the simple concept of nutrient absorption. So even if we take all those other things out, you don't care how you feel. You don't care about you know what's going on in your gut, but you care about getting – results and progress, well then 
your body's only going to absorb the amount of nutrients it can from the food that you're digesting. Meaning, again, if you're, let's take my example, you're not chewing your food properly and getting whole chunks of it dropped down into that stomach acid and the surface area is less, first off, so you're not going to be able to absorb it as easily. The less surface area, uh, the more surface area you have, the more it can digest things down. So meaning the more surface area, meaning the smaller um, pieces of food, the more you would masticate and bite your food down, break it down with expose more surface area allowing it to break down and ultimately absorb more nutrients. So even if you're eating a salad, but you're not chewing your salad, it's harder for your body to absorb those nutrients um, and actually put them into plain into your body, which could cause A, for you to have more hunger, to eat more foods. But it's, again, a never-ending cycle of like, okay, you're not chewing your food enough, so you're constantly hungry, you're eating more, you're not absorbing the nutrients, it's craving you to cause more food, you're producing more ghrelin and leptin, and then eventually you're creating an insensitivity to it, so you're never really gonna be full, but you never address the root cause of maybe chewing your food or slowing down in general. Just You couldn't maybe chewing your food, but you're chewing it and eating it so fast that within a 20-minute window, which is typically the recognized amount of time for your brain to recognize that your stomach is full, you could have done way more damage, quote-unquote, with food. And then, again, creating this insensitivity, not just to insulin, but to ghrelin and liptin and some other things that are going on in our body. So that's just one aspect to it. So again... My point with the nutrient absorption is if you care about getting results, even if you don't care about everything else I just said, the more you chew your food, the more you're aware of the digestional process, you're actually getting more bang for your buck with the food that you're eating. You're getting more than nutrients out. The other thing with nutrients is you have to understand there's water-soluble and fat-soluble nutrients. What that means is they have to be in um, – an environment of water or fat to get properly utilized and absorbed. So if it's a fat-soluble vitamin, uh, for example, vitamin D, vitamin A, vitamin K, and vitamin E, if you do not have fat with it, it will not properly be absorbed and utilized. Vice versa, if you have water-soluble, like vitamin C, for example, which is going to be way more prevalent, that's less of a concern. But for, let's just say, you take your vitamin C with, I don't know, a fat, um, it's not going to actually have the the proper environment it needs to get absorbed properly and utilized. So water would be a better choice. But again, that's getting a little bit more ahead into more complicated processes. Um, and again, talking about the mechanisms of absorption through the GI um, process. And there's, there's multiple factors there. So I'm not going to go into the super details of each one. But there's different checkpoints. Again, the, the mouth, the stomach. Small intestines, large intestines. And at each point, there could be things breaking down along the way if we're not taking care of ourselves or even if something's happening and we're having um, maybe an allergic reaction to the food or we have a sensitivity to that food or there's some kind of inflammation going on or we have an inflammatory uh, bowel disease like IBS or leaky gut syndrome or so on and so forth, an autoimmune disease or we're even looking at diarrhea or constipation or diverticulitis um, and the list goes on and on and on. Again, there's certain symptoms you can look for for each, but again, I highly recommend seeking a doctor or reach out to us. We can help you either find a, a local medical professional that's in our network that we can hook you up with or just help you find someone that's not in our network but that we still would trust and utilize um, or at least what to look for when you're looking for a medical professional. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you guys, I, th- I don't think a doctor is really your best bet when you're talking about, obviously, um, nutrition or when you're talking about your gut, because that's not their area of expertise. That's not their specialty, especially when it comes to nutrition. Most doctors and and MDs are spending maybe a semester when it comes to nutrition. They have so much to look at. Um, It's really hard to spend the accurate amount of time on nutrition. That's what I'm learning from pursuing a master's in dietetics and wanting to be an RD and going through this educational process and looking at other dietitians and other individuals that are highly educated with their nutrition experience 
that's their expertise level. Even when I'm working with physical therapists, like the physical therapists that I work with, that's their area of expertise. A doctor is not going to pretend to know the same level of sophistication that a PT would, and that's why they will refer out and say, hey, you need to see a specialist, whether it's a gastroenterologist or whether it's a dietitian or whether it's something in between or another reference. But um, usually you're going to have to unfortunately start with your MD because they have to have some kind of referral or some kind of um, – reference to get to the specialist but ideally if you can avoid that or just seek a specialist out that's that's really kind of a move i would recommend but again i'm not a doctor so take it with a grain of salt so that this brings up another idea of food intolerance or food sensitivity to certain items and that gets into a little bit more of um, other strategies we could talk about whether it's food elimination um, food testing themselves fodmaps um, and looking at different approaches but I'll kind of leave that info a little bit uh, for another topic or just link to it below. And then um, just looking at how it's not just the intestines that are doing everything. It's also looking at all the other tissues and organs that are involved in this, going back to the liver, going back to the pancreas, going back to the gallbladder. And um, they all play a role and they're all there for a reason. So with all that being said – one thing that we didn't really talk about is adipose tissue or our fat tissue that surrounds our organs that does get talked about a lot and when you're looking at health, but I figured we'd kind of address why in this particular case it's also important. When we're talking about adipose tissue um, and the buildup of fat around our organs, it can get in the way so they don't have the same amount of room to work with. And this was actually something we were talking about at work in one of the exercise groups that I, I teach along with um, some of the other coworkers that I have. And they were talking about specifically one of my coworkers was talking about the issue with posture and the impact it can have on your digestive system. So that if you have poor posture, especially in our geriatric community or our geriatric population, as your spine starts to deteriorate, your vertebrae start, vertebrae start to deteriorate and the bone starts to break down on the anterior side and you start to get that extreme flexion going in your spine, that um, – kyphosis happening in that upper spine and that bending forward, that fall forward where it looks like they have bad posture. Partially that's just age, but also we can start to strengthen the muscles and pay attention to that. The more you give yourself posture, the more room you give in, in your um, cavity, that digestional cavity in your, your stomach region between your belly button and your, and your sternum, the more space you can give yourself, the more room you have for everything to operate. So going back to the point of adipose tissue and fat, if you have more fat in that area, you're taking away from the space that all those organs have to work with, which which is actually going to have a detrimental impact on those systems firing properly. So just kind of like if you don't care about anything else, you don't take anything else away, focus on your adipose fat and tissue. And that's why I'm a big fan of in-body scans, kind of a little shameless plug for in-body, especially for our Get to Know Your Body connection in here in Asheville, uh, North Carolina with Dr. Rena. We talked about it. You can actually check your visceral and adipose tissue fat. Visceral fat – so adipose tissue is just fat, but visceral fat specifically is about the middle region, um, your midsection around your organs. Okay, So adipose tissue is usually connected in that visceral region and the fat that's around your organs. So I, I should probably kind of clarify on that. I apologize, guys. But it, it allows you to measure your visceral fat on a scale of 1 to 10 and seeing what level you're at. And I think it recommends like less than 7 maybe, 5 to 7. Um, and I think I, last time I checked, I was like a 4. And I'm, I was consciously working on, all right, I want to keep chipping that down keep that out. Not just my body fat percentage, um, not just my total weight, but specifically my visceral fat and the health of my body. So I kind of went over a little bit, guys. I apologize. I wanted to try and keep it around 15, 20 minutes. We've gone over a bit. 
And I could honestly keep going, keep going, but I figured I'd just touch on on these points. I'll give you more information below. Again, click on the link if you're listening to the podcast on your phone, if you're not on our website. Um, it'll take you over to the blog. I'll have some more infographics and bullet points and notes on there that hopefully you'll find helpful. And again, if you enjoy this topic, or really we've provided any value for you, I hope you can go to our Patreon. You can pledge as little as a dollar or upwards to whatever amount you think is um, suitable. You can sign up for our Fitness Nutrition Vault there now, or you could just go to lifeofafighter.com forward slash shop. We still have all of our awesome um, memberships up there, our Pro Coach Program, Fitness Nutrition Vault, um, our premium packages are up there, personal training, our eBooks, all that awesome stuff, our fighter guide, private content. And we have our lofclothing.com up now for our shop. Um, I really appreciate you all supporting that. I've been seeing some clothing pop up. And remember the um, I Fight Cancer, What's Your Fight? We're donating all the proceeds and profits from that um, to cancer research. And you know, it's personally touched my life with my stepmom, and actually with other with my grandparents um, that have unfortunately passed away years back. But Janet, my stepmom, has done an amazing job of fighting it, and this is our third time fighting cancer and putting it into remission. Originally, it was um, I'm not going to go into all the personal details of it, but anyways. She, she's a champ and it's an inspiration and wanted me to kind of give back to the community and help support those and eventually we're going to have to share her story on a larger scale but I just wanted to say thanks again y'all peace check you next week so I just wanted to say thank you guys again for watching listening consuming that episode if you guys enjoyed it and you haven't already please like uh, please comment if you haven't reviewed please leave a review if you haven't followed or subscribed please do that as well again it tremendously helps us out and then just a quick reminder if you guys want more resources we have them below we have our programs everything from free all the way up to paid and kind of everything in between dial in with the customization and we have more information on different programs and resources in our newsletter so if you haven't signed up for that do so below it's free and that is it y'all see you on the next one